from the Draft Network, and we are your host here on this Tuesday edition of the nice show. Nice job. Day two of the legal tampering period, and uh, Kyle and I are, are purchasing our tickets now for the AFC Championship game. Kyle, welcome. Can't wait to butt heads with you, Joe. <laughs> Dolphins, Bills, the only question is who's hosting the game. You know, I like to think it's going to be in Western New York, given the team being a little further ahead in their rebuild. Well, wouldn't, but... you, wouldn't you rather go down south and stay warm and toasty yeah. in January? Yeah, I would. <laughs> yeah, yeah I would. Hey, there you go. If I'm going to the game and I got to be outside, I'll take I'll t- I'll take the road take game. Take the road game. <laughs> I think I'm going to January. Oh, God. I can't even make it through a, a, a week in Indianapolis in February, let alone Buffalo in January. So There's so much that happened yesterday. A couple things. And it, it it extends beyond just deals, too, right? Like contract agreements and, and agreeing to terms. The player trade market, I don't remember the last time it's been this hot with, like, top names at positions. Do you? <laughs> Not to the degree in which we saw Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, DeForest Buckner. Yeah, These are um, all, like, young pieces that are in their mid 20s that are top top 10 players at their respective positions that got traded yesterday three of them yeah a lot of interesting dynamics whether it was maybe guys not happy with their situations uh you know salary cap played big into what happened with the 49ers but you know it's you kind of you're kind of getting this mesh of teams at various states of where they are in terms of building their program life cycles, their life cycles. That's the word I'm yes. looking for there. Yes. So um, it's the teams that were ready to kind of absorb, whether that's the bills, Cardinals, dolphins, or Colts kind of absorb those players really kind of accelerated where they are at um, in terms of getting ready to compete and take that next step for, for them individually. Now, let me ask you this. When's the last time you remember being mid-March and having like six teams that don't have first-round picks already? I fell asleep to that. I fell asleep to counting that on my hand. Um, The amount of teams, I mean, just a lot of the AFC too, right? Like, they just don't have them. Um, Is that a flex because you have three of them? Where are you getting at with that? No, no, it's just I I ran my first simulation this morning after all the nonsense (laughs) that went down yesterday and like, Hat tip to you because you did a really great job of updating not just the draft order, but the team needs as transactions and agreements were happening. You know, you see positions of need adjusting for these teams on the fly, and that in turn produces different results in the mock draft simulator as it happens. So if you would have gone in throughout different courses of the day, you probably would have seen more variance as the day evolved than what even you're used to. Well, I didn't do it at all yesterday. So I'm like, well, this could be a whole new world. I'm going to go in here and do it. I'm sitting here looking at it. It's like Buffalo doesn't have a first round pick. Pittsburgh doesn't have first round pick. Houston doesn't have first round pick. Chicago. Help me out here. Chicago. Um, The Colts. Indianapolis Colts now don't have one. 
Chris Ballard would never. <laughs> no, Chris Ballard. Imagine thinking Chris Ballard was going to trade up for a quarterback. Us, a bunch of morons. It was fun because they had the draft capital and it made sense, man. We're just trying to put scenarios out there for the people in February. You know what I mean? Now, now, this has a whole nother domino effect, Joe. As far as the quarterback situation in the 2020 NFL draft, too. Because if you don't get, like, Washington to go off script and take a quarterback at two, if they don't take Tua, hypothetically, right? You've got the Dolphins at five, Chargers at six, Panthers at seven. Do you feel like the Panthers are in a position to draft a quarterback? Brother, I don't think they want to. If the Chargers have their way, they're going to make a late push for Tom Brady. With their offensive tackles. Yeah. And this offensive tackle I've, class. Are they I've, are they going to draft a quarterback? Not a chance if they go Tom, but I feel like they're uh I think they're going with somebody meaningful a, a veteran quarterback. Right. So now you've got an offensive line peg for the Chargers. Yeah. Where's the next quarterback go? The 49ers at 13? No, come on, come on. Like the Raiders, yeah, Raiders yeah. are a sneaky team. Raiders just signed well. Mariota, brother. They're getting right. crazy. Right. Well, I mean, they if they trade, they may stay trade, may still trade car. I'm not going to write them off for anything. But it's like, and then you add in the, the variable that the 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 draft is not going to move. The, they're keeping the dates for the draft, right? We don't know what it's going to look like with this whole coronavirus outbreak, but they committed yesterday to keeping the draft on the same dates that it's originally scheduled. So with that in mind, Joe, what happens if two is not able to throw? Uh, he falls. Imagine, like, you're going to, it's going to be blind freaking faith. If he can't throw and you can't see him throw as a team, and the draft is in five weeks, and now you've got all this restrictive travel, like, Tua has the potential to really get burned here by this whole really weird mm-hmm. kind of surreal otherworldly experience in, in our everyday lives that we're dealing with right now. And that is a storyline that has nothing to do with free agency, but we've gone down this spider or this rabbit hole with all of the changes that are happening here. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, man, like Tua could really lose yeah. a lot here. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's interesting. I think Washington's now the new wild card, but you feel Cincy and Miami in the top 10 are your only locks for quarterbacks, right? Now there could be movement and stuff like that, but you know, Tua situation's really peculiar. And then, you know, kind of figuring out what the NFL is going to do with Jordan love. Uh, (laughs) you feel like you're not getting more answers as time goes on, which is, which is typically not what happens at right. this point in the offseason. All right, let's get back on track with free agency. Give me give me something that happened yesterday. How about, how about this? We got to talk about Hopkins and, and Bill, <laughs> Bill O'Brien. What was that tweet that you put out yesterday? I died. You're like, if you're not, haven't got into the. the if, you, if, you, if you haven't invested in future Houston Texan draft picks, I highly recommend it. Yeah. Jeez, man. You're talking about a good investment, brother. <laughs> Burn this team to the ground. What are we doing? Well, and it. So. What is it? It's uh, David Johnson and a, a, a two. David Johnson and a two for New Hopkins and a four. You know that just doesn't make sense, man. Like d- because Bill O'Brien has a case of the Adam Gases and can't get along with people. What he's been able to to turn for Clowney and Hopkins and what he gave up for—I t- mean, just 
I, I literally don't understand it. And it's hard because of course, several hours later, the bills trade for Stefan Diggs, And I'm like, I don't think the bills did, gave up too much for Stefan Diggs, but geez. But at, can, the same, but at the same time, it's like, why did we pay this much? Look what you got. We should have brought back Frank Gore, packaged him in a, in a two, you know, <laughs> Yeah, we could have flipped Frank Gore. We could have flipped Frank Gore in '54 and gone out and got new copies. Right. Now we're gonna give up the first for Stephon Diggs, right? And it's like I'm not even mad about the first for Diggs, but geez, like, like it's one of those. It's like the Mosley deal for the Jets. It's like such an anomaly within the normal parameters of what what it takes to get deals done that you can't even. It's not even relevant to talk about in terms of comparing it to other deals. I mean, you, you have to. This team is going to be burnt to a crisp in three years. You realize that, right? I feel a bad. Lot of their, Deshaun, brother, come on. Yeah, free Deshaun. Deshaun's got to get out of there because this team has no high-end infrastructure to rebuild with cheap talent around them. They're going to have to pay Deshaun Watson. They're inevitably going to have to pay Laramie Tunsil based on what they traded to get him. It, which in turn gutted their infrastructure for long-term rebuilding of cheap rookie talent. And like this quote unquote salary dump of Nuke Hopkins, like <laughs> he's under contract for three years and not making more than $14 million in any of those three years. And Cooper just signed five years, a hundred. Right. It's a steal. <laughs> he is, he is not only the best wide receiver in football, he's a great value. And oh. you get, you flipped him for a two for Kyler and, and David Johnson. Oh, and they took the whole salary. They took all of the salary. They took the whole salary of Dave Johnson. So it's not even like you're saving money. <sighs> this this team, and like Ben Ben Albright put out a tweet yesterday saying that the Texans players are pissed. Well, yeah, you're facing a potential mutiny here in Houston based on like, dude, get out of your own way. He is going to burn this team to the ground. Remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. Okay, on the flip side, how about the Arizona Cardinals? Get, oh, uh, get friggin' Nuke Hopkins for Kyler Murray in year two and uh, really position themselves. You know, we kind of pegged them as a wide receiver team at number eight. Now they're in position to get an offensive lineman, maybe even a defensive lineman. Let's not forget that defense sucked really bad last year. And so I think it was good for them to check that box and be able to create some flexibility with that top 10 pick. Yeah, I mean, you, you got potential for – Derek Brown, one of the offensive tackles. I could, you could, maybe a wide receiver. Still, I'd love to see them just go all in. Man, but, they've got they got Fitz. They've got Christian Kirk. I, uh, let's let's slow, back. Let's slow down with Fitz. He's like thirty eight. Still a meaningful player. Who's the other guy that they got? That's interesting. Um, New Hopkins. No, there's another one that they got. That's Andy uh, Isabella. Isabella. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. No, apparently they're down on Isabella. Well, okay. Still can't catch the ball. <laughs> small catch radius, man. Tiny shifty guy, small catch radius. Um, yeah, I really love it, th- this ad for Arizona. And I really thought it was smart that they hit Kenyon Drake with the transition tag yesterday before the deadline too. Yeah. That's a, that's a reasonable figure um, for him. Eight and yeah. a half. It's yeah. eight and a half million. They get right to to match any offer that he's given. Uh, and it, it's a nice, it's going to be like a one-year extension of this science experiment. I ran the numbers, Joe. Do you know what percent of Kenyon Drake's rushing touchdowns for his career he got in weeks 15 and 16 last year? I'm sure it's pretty high. 35%. Yeah. 
Six rushing touchdowns out of 17. Mind you, he's played in 62 NFL games. And he got one-third of his rushing touchdowns in two games last year and wins against Cleveland and Seattle. Do you know know what percentage of Kenyon Drake's career rushing yardage he got in those two games? (laughs) 20%. 15%. Okay, it's still a lot. for (laughs) How many games this guy played, you said? He's played in 62 career games, and he got... 15% 15% of his career rushing yards in week 15 and 16 last year against Cleveland and Seattle, 300 yards. Good for him. It'd be a nice little fit there. Nice, nice yeah. back for, for Cliff's offense. Oh, breaking news. I, what Nate Sudfeld back to the Eagles. Breaking news. Nate Sudfeld is yeah. back with the birds. Remember when he was like stud Eagles fans loved him for a hot sec. Did they? Okay. Let's not spend any more time on that. Uh- <laughs> Let's go to this Colts deal, right? Yeah, this is huge. Number 13 overall for DeForest Buckner, pretty straight up. They, um, You kind of felt like you hate to see Buck leave the 49ers because he's such a good player, but given what's already in place there on that defensive line and kind of how they're up against the salary cap, um, not having much flexibility, having some other issues on the roster, not having a pick from, I think it's like 31 to 157 going into that deal. Yeah, they so add it was 13. like 125 picks. Yeah, so now they have some flexibility. Like, they could sit there and pick a good player at 13, but they also have some opportunities now to maybe move Trade down the order and, and, and get some get some meaningful day two draft capital to kind of give themselves a, a full slate of, of rookie talent to, to help restore some of what I think they're going to lose on this roster. Oh, they, they got Jimmy Ward back last night too very reasonable deal by the way yeah yeah so it's weird the nfl and safeties man just don't like paying them super weird (laughs) that was my argument for san francisco now that you've got 13 and 31 i am immediately starting to call people and i'm immediately starting to tease trading back and i'm running it all the way through if there's a guy that i love at 13 i'll pick at 13 and then i'm really committed to getting out of 31 if I like my options as far as a lot of depth at 13, I'm trading out of 13. I got to really try and restock the deck here, right? And as you said, this is a great class to have picks on day two and to have none at all is tough pill to swallow, even though you've got two first-round picks. Let's turn that into a first-round pick or potentially still two first-round picks and more ammunition in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Well, and for the 49ers, they're, they're, they still have Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead and um, hopefully Solomon Thomas can wake up and, and, and help this football team. Uh, D Ford still in the mix there on the defensive line. So they're not completely barren, you know, and, and it's, it's a tough sacrifice to make because for Buckner, you know, a pro bowler in 18 and all pro in 19, but kind of felt like they needed to do it. And for the Colts, I mean, a foundational player now for their defensive line, which is key, right? They saw what Quentin Nelson did for them up front on, on offense. And, you know, Buckner's one of those game changers on the defensive side of the football, versatile guy that I really trust that Colts defense to get the most out of. And, and uh, you know, if we, they were going to sit there at 13 and take Kinlaw or Brown, well, hell, you might as well just go get uh, Buckner now. You have the cap space to do it. Right, and they still got 34 and 44. So, yep. I mean, I don't anticipate this is a team that's going to trade up back into the first round, but they've got everything still on the table. Yeah. You know, if they want to go out and still get a wide receiver, they got a guy that drops that they like, they can jump up and get him. They can kind of wait it out. 
they can continue to slide back and restock for future picks, whatever, you know, that this is the luxury of doing what Chris Ballard's done the last two years is it gives you the flexibility to continue to shift up and down the board as it's available to you. And, and that's one of the, the primary components to quote building through the draft. That's like, you're not, it's not like you're not allowed to make big splashes or acquire veteran players or sign guys in free agency, but at your core and, and, and your principles as a team, at the end of the day, you have to live and breathe and your lifeline has to be the NFL draft and the capital that comes with it. Yeah. So, uh, would you kind of say that we, we, we thought maybe this was a course that the Colts could go at 13 and kind of tie that into what the bills were able to do uh, a team that we were always picking wide receivers for at 22, whether that was T Higgins or, you know, Justin Jefferson was kind of a new name that was tossed in the mix. And well, they, they said, you know what, uh, we need this weapon for Josh Allen and we're not going to count on the fourth or fifth best receiver in the draft. Let's go give up 22 for Stefan Diggs and, and really complete this uh, receiving core for Josh Allen. Uh, obviously, you know, I, I, I never want to give up first round picks, but I think the bills were just kind of outside of that strike zone when it comes to getting a, a truly meaningful game changer at that spot and go out and get a guy that we know that he's been questionable in terms of his, his dramatic moments over the last uh, couple seasons at, at, in Minnesota. I've certainly called him out for it on this podcast, but uh, certainly a good culture and locker room that he heads to in Buffalo and, and fills a big need for a, a Bills team where the defense has been awesome, but the offense is lagged behind. Well, yeah, this is uh... – First of all, it's the most talented receiver Buffalo has had since probably Antonio Brown last year. You're dumb. And it's I, probably I, I thought Sammy Watkins was going to be at the end of that sentence, and you hit me with Antonio Brown. <laughs> and he's probably the most dramatic wide receiver that the Buffalo Bills have had since probably Antonio Brown last year. Yeah. So, uh, but on a serious note, yeah, I think this is this is sensible for Buffalo because he's effectively brand new with his contract, right? He's played like one or two years on his deal. Yeah, he's got four years, 46 left. He signed five years, 72 going into 18. I hope he doesn't try and leverage into new deal sooner rather than later, but. Yeah, that that's the big thing, right? Because I've, I've already started the jokes about how the Bills got digs for four years, 46 while giving up a one, while the Cowboys gave up a one and gave Cooper five years, 100. So there's yeah. a big, big discrepancy there. Oh, by the way, over the last two years, they have the same amount of touchdown catches and Cooper has 43 more receiving yards in the last two years combined. Right. So similarly, similarly productive players. But yeah, I think the big the big X factor is whether or not Diggs says, OK, yeah, you know what? I'm going to need I'm going to need a few more dollars. Now, maybe it's a situation where he at least plays out a season for Buffalo and then they can right. kind of see what happens from there. But uh, it's something definitely in the back of my mind. Do you feel comfortable with, you know, is this going to force Josh out of his comfort shell a little bit as far as transitioning into inside of 10 yards kind of passer? Because I know the deep ball consistency was something that was hit yeah. or miss last year. So, I mean, Stefan is going to make you a lot of hay down there if you can hit him. Yeah, I think the encouraging part, if you wanted to believe that is a, is going to happen, is is how he evolved last year when he was given Beasley and Brown and, and how that opened up the short to intermediate areas of the field because um, those guys can create some nice throwing windows for you. And now you add Diggs to that, and between Diggs, Brown, and Beasley, there's going to be – I mean, there's going to be space, right? Those guys can get open. There's no issues with their separation, quickness, or route running. You know, three of the better route runners in the league, Diggs may be one of the best four, three, four, five. 
And so you've given Josh the space that he needs to work the football. And so it just comes down to him and his trigger, you know, being able to, to anticipate and get the ball out. You'd love to see the deep ball come. You know, I, I, I am nervous about how fixable that is. Um, but it's, it's something that would be huge if it came because, you know, you really tap into, to Allen's arm strength and the encouraging part about Diggs is that he had the highest catch rate on targets down the field of 20 yards or more last season. Um, in addition to him being the NFL's top contested catch rate winner since 2017, but all of that really is, is a two-way thing. It's, it's about Diggs and what he can do, but it's also about having reasonable chances to make plays on the ball. And so it's going to be a big deal for Josh to get on the same page with all these weapons and really learn how to become a facilitator within the offense. In addition to kind of those, those special moments where his physical traits really are, are the star. So it's the right type of weapon to, to see, but I mean, it's, it's year three for Josh, right? And and he had a lot of work to do coming into the league. He's made good steps, but um, it's kind of one of those deals where he's got what he needs. Now, I think maybe a little bit more size with another weapon, but for the most part, this arsenal of weapons is, is really shaping up nicely around Josh. And you got your entire offensive line coming back from 2015 with year three with the same uh, uh, offensive coordinator. All right. I got one thing left. I want to talk about. All right. We need, we need to talk about the stroke of genius. That was the Patriots pulling the rug out from under everyone and tagging Thune at the midnight hour. Was that their plan all along? Probably. But I think they, they probably are sitting there surveying the demand that Thune's going to have, right? You hear Detroit, you hear Denver, you hear Miami, you hear the Jets. The Jets, you know, the, all the money they have and how you know they're going to throw money at people. Well, the Dolphins were, were tied to Thune for months. And right before the tag deadline, they hit him with the tag. And my first reaction was, oh, my God, they don't have enough money to sign Tom Brady now. <laughs> right. And they don't, I mean, at this point, they don't. They have $23 million in cap space. But with the tag, what is going to stop you from restructuring a single contract and creating enough space if your asking price for Tom or your offered price for Tom was $25 million, right? They can make it work and then pivot from there. But at the same time, if Tom goes, now you're not losing an elite offensive guard for no reason. And if Tom does come back, Instead of letting Tooney walk and probably not even getting a comp pick for him because you're going to be signing Tom Brady in free agency, you make all those teams there who are getting ready to kick down his door and pay him record-setting money come knock on your door now in a tag-and-trade scenario. And for me, that was the, of course they did, that's why the Patriots are the Patriots. I thought it was a really savvy move in that they still have the flexibility to make it happen, but nobody talked about Dooney getting the tag. Yeah. Nobody. Nobody talked about it. Well, because you didn't think Belichick was going to have a $25 million guard combo. And he and does here we right are. now. And, and here, here we are. Kyle, we, we got to get a couple minutes of Dolphins talk in here before we go. Come on now. This team went out there, had the most cap space in football, probably the most holes, and went out and got some meaningful veterans. And, um, I mean. We're starting players. Which is needed, right? Like, yeah, this this team was pretty incomplete when it comes to you know, at least above average NFL starters, and they went out and got several. Yeah, I feel I feel good about. I'm not crazy about the Eric Flowers signing, uh, but my perception on on the situation was 
Miami was prepared to do what it took to land Joe Thune, and Thune gets the tag. So they say, okay, who's our next, like, priority guy? And, you know, if they were going to go get Joe Thune for $15 million and Logan Ryan for 10 to 12 that's 25 to $27 million. They say, well, let's upgrade a corner and go get the best corner, which is our next priority. Let's land Byron Jones, which they ended up giving for 16 and a half, 17 million per 40 million guaranteed in the first two years, which is smart because you front load your guarantees, especially when you have as much cap space as the Dolphins do. And then everything after that, you become much more flexible with. If you need to part ways with a contract, you can do so without hindering your long-term sustainability. And that's a very big shift from what the Dolphins have done in, in the past under Mike Tannenbaum and Jeff Ireland. And then you take the leftover money that it took versus versus what it took to land Byron Jones, which was 17, and you've got 10 million left over, and you've got your guard corner combo for the same price that you were going to get Joe Thune, Logan Ryan, and you got Byron Jones and Eric Flowers. So I love the Kyle Van Noy pick. I love the Shaq Lawson pickup. Uh, Shaq, early down guy, Joe, you know very well about Shaq and the kind of player that he is and how his value extends beyond the fact that he has six and a half sacks. And I can tell you right now, I can tell you right now, people judging players off interceptions and sacks is my, the new bane of my existence because you're seeing a lot of it. And it's so ignorant versus the actual impact that these guys can bring on the football field. Shaq Lawson led the Bills in quarterback hits. He had more quarterback hits last year than Trent Murphy and Jerry Houston combined. He can rush. He's just he's he's an effort guy with heavy hands, and he's probably a little bit better you know, winning through the B gap than he is consistently around the outside hip of an offensive tackle. But when you think about what the Dolphins like to do with their defensive linemen and kind of the 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 Patriots philosophy in terms of rush lanes, getting parallel with the quarterback, shucking blocks, really creating favorable angles for guys to attack gaps. Shaq's what you're looking for. And right. and, he's and then you're gonna have player. a and then you're gonna have a joker linebacker that's right. rushing off his outside hip oh, that's hey, actually Kyle gonna Van be Roy. rushing outside. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I think uh Dolphins definitely got better and and they're still I mean, there's a lot more for them to do. They got plenty of cap space. They don't really have anyone waiting in the wings to pay, right, for yeah. for extensions that you're worried about. Nope. And how nope. many freaking, I mean, five first-rounders over the next two years, a couple of second-rounders. I mean, it, this is, if you like roster construction, you like following what Miami's doing. Yeah. No, just go out and sign a nose tackle. It's I'm looking for a nose tackle and an offensive tackle, and I'm good. Yeah. I'm and looking you, for you some don't, linemen myself, so. You don't even got to break the bank on them. Like, go get guys for, like, six mil a year, and let's call it a day in free agency, and let's – Let's get strapped up for the draft. You get Linval Joseph, Snacks Harrison, DJ Readers out there. I'm trying to get uh, Michael Pierce. That's my guy. Yeah, I I learned about your affinity for Michael Pierce last year. Last week. Good football player, brother. Hey, Jordan Phillips is out there, man. Nine and a half sacks last year. (laughs) Yeah, he's a good player. He got nine sacks. Uh. Nine and a half. Nine and a half. (laughs) Top three. Top three defensive tackle. He'll tell you that. Oh, I'll tell him he's not. How's that? And he will talk. Guys- he will chirp back. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Draft Dudes. No takes on takes, but these are special circumstances. The legal tampering period is here. We, as football's 33rd front office, we got to talk about team building in every aspect, including free agency and the monumental waves of change that are coming to the NFL this week. 
uh, which we hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy a brief break from everything that's going on in your day-to-day right now to just talk football. At Grinding the Tape, at Joe, the Joe Marino, thanks as always for listening to the Draft Dudes Podcast.